Welcome back to another episode of the Messy Reformation. My name is Jason Rice. I'm the lead pastor at Faith Community CRC in Beaverdam, Wisconsin. My co-host is Willie Cronkey. He's a member at PCRC in Pease, Minnesota. We're just a couple of guys who love the Christian Reformed Church and want to see Reformation happen in our denomination. But we recognize that anytime Reformation happens, it's always messy. So we're having conversations with pastors throughout the Christian Reformed Church to find out what's going on in our denomination and also to talk about what Reformation might look like. We want to keep saying thanks to all of you who are faithfully listening each week and sharing this with those who would benefit from it. And we want to encourage you keep up the good work. These conversations are spreading throughout the CRC and our listenership continues to grow every week. So keep on listening and keep on sharing. If you haven't already, take a moment, click subscribe so you don't miss any of our upcoming content. We are dropping episodes every single Monday. With all that said, we're going to get to this week's episode, which is part one of our conversation with Adam Isinga. Adam, why don't you kick us off and just tell us a little bit about who you are and where you're at and maybe even some about your family too. Yeah, I am in Inwood, Iowa at Inwood CRC, coming up on on three years here. I got four kids. So um, our oldest is seven, youngest is two. So we are in the the trenches of of parenting right now. (laughs) And I can't tell you the number of things I have learned about how different I am from God through my parenting experiences. (laughs) And so that's been, that's been good. Um, The community I'm in, Inwood itself is about a thousand people. And what's nice about this is it's incredibly tight knit. For example, there's a, a, a nursing home in town, Fellowship Village, but I mean, everybody there is largely known within the, the community. This is somebody's grandpa, this is somebody's mother. But it's the sense of that they started this nursing home years ago just because they decided as a community they wanted their their elderly to stay around and for people to be able to visit them. And they, it's just for me, it's been a symbol of what the community does want. They want to be tight knit, that they want to be in each other's lives. And as a, as a church, that that's certainly where they're at. And that's been a tremendous gift. The, the elders are very, very involved. There's a strong commitment to the future of the, the church, and that's been a, a blessing. Like house visitation, we still do that regularly. And yeah, it's been, a, it's been a gift to be here. And we're also about maybe 20 miles from Sioux Falls, so that's the largest near city. Sorry, the, the nearest large city, and that's 200,000 people, so you kind of get the best of all, of all worlds. Yeah. So, how long has Inwood? Um, how long has the your church been in Inwood? Been here for a bit over a hundred years. Uh, I okay. think it maybe maybe one hundred five, one hundred six by this point. The last church I, I served, we were just neat, we just did the hundred anniversary when I was there. And if there's ever a fun time to go to a church, it's when they're doing the hundredth anniversary. You, you'll yeah. learn a whole lot about that, that. So, yeah, I mean, like like a lot of small communities, there's a Reformed church. There's a Christian Reformed Church. Uh, that, that's just kind of how it goes in these in these communities. And then we got uh, two Lutheran churches and an Assemblies Church. So, okay. 
Whoa, wonderful. Um, and Adam, you and I first met at Synod 2019. Um, so I actually, uh, I know a little bit more about your background, but just for um, other people who are listening right now, do you want to tell us kind of your journey, how you came into the CRC and became affiliated yeah. with it? Well, no, I'd be happy to. Um, yeah, I, I, I enjoyed meeting Willie. Um, I was going to say it's both the last Synod and years ago. So that's kind of where we're at. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I grew up in the, the CRC, um, baptized in the, the church where my grandparents were were members. And then we moved to a, a different church. We moved to a new community. And that church had, a, the pastor had an Article 17 shortly after we got there. And mm. so it was a fascinating way to grow up because um, we had, I mean, every seminarian comes with their their one or two sermons that they that they kind of trot out at every every church. Um, so we had that for a couple of years. But kind of what happened within me during that is there was a sense of how necessary a pastor was of having somebody there regularly speaking God's word to the people. So it was more the the absence of of having a pastor that made me recognize how much that mattered. I wound up going to Hope College. I grew up in West Michigan and kind of everybody goes to Kelvin. That was my juvenile way of rebelling against wanting to to, to be <laughs> within the CRC with which I grew up. That's how you can know you're pretty much as enmeshed within Dutch reform subculture as I can get is, hey, I went to, I went to Hope. That's my, that's my big rebellion. Um, but one of the reasons I wanted to go there, it was the sense of, okay, do I I was just trying to get out of the bubble to actually see the bubble. It was trying to get out to say, okay, what do I actually believe? And while I was there, Ben Patterson was the chaplain. And that man can that man can preach, that man can pastor. And that was just a, a delight to be under his ministry. And while I was there, there was a sense of saying, man, if I could know what he knows, if I could think the way that, that he preaches, that would be wonderful. I'd be able to... Uh, I'd be able to be the sort of person that I want to be. And so that got me thinking about, that got me thinking about ministry. I spent a year in Maryland doing something. It was then called the Trinity Forum Academy. It's connected with the Trinity Forum, which Oz Guinness is involved in. The idea is cultural renewal, cultural change. And the idea essentially behind it is you, you take a, a robust theological grid and you apply it to any field of life. And implicit within that is trying to do ministry in an area that's not ministry. So it was a bit curious that I went to this academy to learn how to take theology and apply it to a different field other than ministry and wound up going to, to continue on a path towards ministry. I went to Gordon-Conwell um, because I, I wanted to see, am I reformed by, by persuasion or just by by custom. And that was a good experience. It was good to, to meet people from, from every theological tradition. At that point, I really planned on going on for further studies and, and teaching theology. Uh, that would be the form of ministry I was thinking at that point. And so they have very good languages. And while I was there, though, I came to appreciate certain aspects of the CRC by contrast with other denominations, there was a whole lot of theological baggage I just did not have to deal with. 
that people who grew up in in certain traditions that had, in my perspective, unhelpful, I think biblically unhelpful views of uh, the end times. Uh, I just didn't have a lot of the confusion that other students were trying to figure out. Mm. Uh, I recognized that what I knew growing up from the catechism was equivalent to what we were learning in seminary and introductory classes. And so I recognized, man, I, why, why try to reinvent the wheel when you actually grew up in, in a very functional wheel? Mm-hmm. So I came to appreciate, uh, yeah, I, I came to appreciate all that I grew up in without recognizing that I, I was as gifted as I was to grow up in it. So, and after seminary, I wound up working at a, or doing youth ministry at a CRC in, in Byron Center, Michigan. And that, that was a very, a very functional, I guess, for, for lack of a better word, church. Um, it's very, very energized, very life-giving. Um, they're, they're defi- they were and are defined but what, by what they're for rather than by what they're against. Very good. Yeah, the elders were incredibly involved. They they knew the families, they cared about the families. And there was a sense within me that, okay, man, this is something that I could pastor within. And in some ways it was somewhat being spoiled because yeah, when you're not the senior pastor, you, you get to you get to it reap all the benefits of a, a very faithful senior pastor without recognizing how much work goes in behind the scenes to, to keep pushing that vision forward. And so, yeah, that was, that was the case. After that, I was in a church in, in Minnesota for, for seven years. And yeah, there you, I certainly recognized how much work it is to, to do ministry. What, what it costs. That was a complex situation. I learned a lot there. It was a multicultural church, which had any number of benefits, but any number of different plates that were were hard to know how best to spin in a way that was helpful for everybody. And yeah, now I'm here and been here for about about three years. Yeah, that's uh, it's it's interesting. One of the one of the themes that has come up as we've talked to people throughout the CRC is this: um, either a lot of the people we've interviewed have have come into the CRC from outside of the CRC, which has been interesting. So I didn't know that as I've interviewed all these pastors, but a number of them um, came in from other denominations, came into the CRC because of our theology and our culture, and they wanted to be a part of it. And they came in and they realized that a lot of people didn't necessarily appreciate what they already had. And then as I hear you talk about no. the, this need of you grew up in the CRC, didn't really like it. You, you know, rebelled by going to Hope, Hope mm-hmm. College and got out, kind of removed yourself from the CRC. And all of a sudden, you know, it took you removing yourself a little bit to realize, oh, there's, there is actually a lot of good quality meat here. Oh, yeah, I think that's certainly the case. It's uh, Member Piper referring to the CRC, at least the Grand Rapids area, in some ways as a reformed burned out district in the sense of saying <laughs> they've, had, they've had all these things they, that are, are incredibly valuable, and they're almost just trying to kind of get rid of them. Yeah. Like, I mean, the, can, the canons of Dort, I mean, how, how amazing is that document? I mean, what other denominations have something like this to say? We've actually got a mechanics of, of how salvation actually works. 
and we've thought this out and we can lean back on it. And then just a sense of saying, well, we wind up almost embarrassed by it. We wind up embarrassed by our, our strengths. So yeah, that's, and yeah, no, I think you're also, I think you're right as well with people coming in from the outside. I've been, I think one of the encouraging things going on in the CRC is you get, you get men coming in of thinking, okay, I, I could wash somebody's hands in the PCA for about 20 years or wind up being able to preach God's word in a faithful church in the CRC right away. There's just such a glut of pastors and a lot of other denominations. So you see men taking the opportunity to serve here and yeah. recognizing what is here because there is, there's, there's a whole lot on paper. It, on paper, it's amazing. It's just in practice. We don't always carry out what we sign on the form of subscription and sign with the confessions. Yeah. Well, what do you think? What do you think's behind that, Adam? Why, why do we have, you know, how do you think we got to this place where we have all of this rich heritage, but now we're in a place where we, we almost are. It it seems like as a denomination, we're embarrassed of our heritage. Yeah. Yeah. I think, and I think we're all this way in some ways we tend to take for granted what's good. Like I think about my wife, we've been married or it'd be 10 years next year. I only think about it being 10 years next year because I got to figure out where we're going for the, the big 10 year anniversary. So we haven't even done our nine year yet, but yet I only think about the 10 years. Um, yeah. <laughs> but the idea of saying, okay, after this many years, there's any number of any number of gifting she has that I just take for granted. And I don't celebrate those. I don't honor those in the way that I should. I only see the shadow side of those. And I think that's the way it can be in a, the denomination as well is we come to take for granted what we do have and only see the, the shadow side of that, of saying, okay, rather than thinking about the, the rigorous, well-thought-out theology, we only come to, to see ourselves as as posty-toasties or whatever the phrases that people use. Yeah. The sense of saying, yeah, sense of looking at the, the downsides of, of what's good. And we have the illusion that if only we would get rid of We'd, we don't, we have the illusion we would only get rid of the, the downsides. Uh, I think the flip of that is as a denomination over and over again, I hear people say, well, we're not evangelical. We're not mainline. The idea is, okay, we're the, we're the best of what's between the two. Or it's saying, okay, well, if that's your goal, you could also easily be you're the, you're also at times the worst of, of each of those two. Yeah. You're the worst of evangelicalism. You're the worst of, of the mainline. And it's the sense of trying to, to have all the positives without the without the negatives and trying to get rid of the negatives and not realizing we're going to toss the baby out with the bathwater. Because if we don't have the if you don't have the three forms of unity as the abiding principle that unites you, I don't know what did what unites this denomination. Yeah. Like the, the idea over and over again, we're trying to say it can't be tradition that unites the denomination, but there's not a compelling vision other than the confessions for what you unite us ministry shares hasn't worked as a vision for what's going to keep us together. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. And that kind of enters into what uh, my next segue question is for you. What do you think, um, you know, through being in the CRC for as long as you have been in it, what do you think are some of the CRC's strengths and weaknesses that you've observed over the years? Yeah. Yeah, there, there are any number of strengths. Um, one of them, I think, is the way that the pastor is viewed 
And I mean, I think that's self-interestedly, but there is a sense of the pastor is set aside to, to minister God's word. And that, that's just not the case in so many denominations. Um, I think we're more resistant to the, the Willow Creek CEO model for that reason, is there's a sense of, well, you've got two sermons to put together every week. You're, you're visiting all these people, encouraging them and correcting them at times from God's word. This is what we want you set aside to do. And so a lot of the, the more, I guess, let me think for back of a lack of a better word, functionary parts of ministry committees are happy to take on. And that that's just so different. I, I've never felt like a, like a hireling within a CRC of saying, well, we, we pay you to do ministry and we just live our lives. I've never had that sense. And that's, that's rare. Um, so there's that. Second is, I think there, there still is such a committed base of people within the CRC. It's the, the fact that you can get any number of godly people to come to say a community service and that they want to be there or a sense of if there's a service project, how many people show up, these people really do care and that they want church to be an important part of their lives. That's the flip side, I think, of the separatist tendency within the CRC. Because um, again, if church matters, you're going you're gonna to give up other priorities that other people have because you want to pay attention to church. So you're not going to be involved with everything everybody else is involved with because church is a bigger part of your life. And therefore, yeah, you are separating yourself, which is a, a CRC way from the wider culture, but you can't invest within the church without separating yourself in some ways. And I still see that much more in the CRC than a lot of traditions that, that I've got friends that are, are ministering in. I think we still do excellent work in regards to, not that I am online with everything every study committee puts out, but they are, they are very thoughtful. Friends from different denominations, I've had requested to forward on, say, the human sexuality report from friends who are in different traditions of saying, okay, we get a two-page document that's just bullet points. This is actually something that's, that's elaborate. This is something that you can actually chew on and talk about. So I, I'm appreciating, I appreciate being part of that. I, I do think that the Christian day school tradition is important. I think it's gonna become more important as the, the culture continues to circle the, the bowl of the, I don't know, the bowl of the toilet, I guess. Um, <laughs> although, although I wish that were different, but not, not, not that, I mean, wishing that the, the, the culture was not circling the bottom of the toilet is what I wish, but I think that's a real opportunity for Christian day schools. So let me think what, what else for the CRC? Um, this is, this is probably not the best of reasons. So many denominations have so many troubles that dwarf the CRCs right now. Um, like, when I think about friends in the, the SBC, or it's like, oh my, I don't even know where I would start with, with a beast like that, trying to figure out how to kind of deal with all of that. So it's, it, I, that sounds bad, but I, I sometimes console myself with frustrations I have with our, with our denomination of looking around and saying, well, 
probably are a good deal more civil than than a lot of the other ones. So um, yeah, I think those would be kind of the big strengths I would see. Yeah, that's great. I I I agree. It, it's kind of funny because I follow a lot of um, SBC pastors. I follow a lot of what's going on in the in the Southern Baptist Church just because. Um, they're one of the only or the only denomination, right, that has had this conservative reformation that has taken on mm-hmm. and lasted in their denomination. Every other denomination is slowly drifting. Yep. And uh, the SBC had this movement and this reformation. So I read a lot about and I follow them. But it was interesting. I was talking to my dad um, this past weekend over Easter and they're they're moving to a new community. And so they're looking for a new church and and uh and he's baptist and so he was like i don't know if i want to go to a baptist church or a southern baptist church and and i was telling him it's interesting you could i mean you could find some real good southern baptist churches i've got a one of my really close friends mm-hmm. is a pastor of a real solid southern baptist church but but one of the things i think i've seen in the southern baptist church is because it's a denomination that came out of battle um that there's a lot of mm-hmm. battle still going on there um, which is just kind of an interesting thing. Um, somebody once told me they think the CRC is where we're at right now because they feel like we lost all of our fighters um, in the UR to the URC. Mm-hmm. All of the fighters mm-hmm. over the women in office thing got tired and they left. And so all of the non-fighters were left in the CRC. But then you look at mm-hmm. the Southern Baptist Church and they got their reformation, but now they're all just a bunch of fighters. And I feel like sometimes they're picking yep. fights over everything. And I just want to tell yep. some of these pastors, chill out a little, like pick a battle, yep. pick one hill to die on, not 500 hills to die on. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think it certainly is a matter of you do pick your poison. And one thing I've recognized about myself is the CRC difficulties that are my own difficulties. Like, I, I, I get why these I, I i get these people if that makes sense it's hard for me to point to the finger and say well what are you doing because i see that tendency within myself of of saying okay well yeah it's who wants to yeah the, the desires to, to be relevant despite what you might give up like i see that within myself but saying okay well no that's actually not what's needed <laughs> what's needed is what we're holding for so yeah it's it is. It's, it's, I think it's also, it's just not an easy time to be doing ministry in the West anyway. It's just not, the word is not in season. Uh, it's, people are always, yeah, the, the, like, okay, when we talk about the denomination shrinking, okay, find, find a lot of denominations that aren't shrinking. Like, it's not like the CRC is some unique, yeah, you, you, unique problem child that has to be dealt with it's it's the the church in the west you get a culture that's largely shedding off christian traditions because that's what it's been and yeah i like when i think about the future of the crc first i try to think about the future of saying okay the church in this country because that that that's a in some ways a more pressing question than saying okay how are we as an individual congregation prepared for for what might be coming and what does that mean to, with denominationally aligning ourselves? That's how I've been trying to think about it. Um, yeah, I've, I've mentioned that to people too. That I mean, I think we 
sadly, mm-hmm. I don't think we should settle for shrinking churches and just say, well, that's mm-hmm. just what's going to happen. And yet in, in the way that our culture is going right now, it should be, an, there should be an expectation of it, right? There should be an expectation of, of, uh, it seems like we're in the midst of a, a refining fire in, in mm-hmm. the, in the West where, you know, there is no longer any, I would say, yeah, maybe I'll say it that strong. There's no longer any cultural benefit in being a Christian. And so why fake it? Right. Why, why be yep. a, a semi Christian? Why just go to church occasionally? Because there's literally no benefit in it. You're actually going to get in trouble for it. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I mean, I've heard people saying that right now, even in, in regards to this human sexuality report in the CRC, some people are saying, boy, we can't, adopt this as a denomination because that means that some people in our churches are going to get fired from their jobs because they're mm-hmm. a member of a church that that condemns homosexual activity and so there you know you, you get this idea where there's there's literally being a christian in our culture today has no social benefit actually if anything it's going to mm-hmm. affect you negatively and so of course the church the 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 visible church is going to shrink to some degree at that point. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the the word pruning I find to be pretty helpful. You think about the, the Lord's words um, about pruning off branches, and because in some ways I think ministry will be it will be harder but easier twenty years from now. Again, I, I've got no idea what will happen, but if trends continue, because now the problem or the difficulty is pastors feel this this urge to to right the ship to turn the ship around which is 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 beyond their their power i mean you can't change the culture you can only be faithful as the church but it's been ingrained within people the sense of well being christian is is being good to be it's become an adjective as opposed to actually a noun of saying actually no something supernatural has happened to you and therefore you want to be part of these people it's a sense of well no i've always been part of these people and therefore since we're changing as a people in this country that the church needs to change. The church needs to catch up or we're going to get lost behind. And it's like, well, no, no, no. Actually what needs to happen is regeneration needs to happen. Hearts need to want to actually want what God says we should want. That needs to happen in all of us. And that that's, that's the only real hope is the work of the the spirit. And I can't make that, that happen. Or no, no. Yeah. Nobody can make that happen other than God. Yeah, no, absolutely. Amen. Um, Adam, as uh, we mentioned before, we met at Synod 2019. I kind of just want to ask mm-hmm. you about your experience there. I understand that we got to know each other pretty late in the week for that week, mm-hmm. but uh, how was how was your experience? Were you encouraged by some things, discouraged? Uh, just if you could, just share a little bit about your experience, and was that your first time going? It's my second time going to, to Synod. I, I always walk, I, I always is too strong with going twice, both encouraged and discouraged. I walk away encouraged because I think we have, we all have a tendency to, to assume that people think in more monolithic terms than they actually do. So a sense of, okay, if I know that so-and-so agrees with, I don't know, say that this particular decision that was just made well now i can just predict where it's all going to go henceforth and no you see people kind of uh, agreeing with you on some issues and disagreeing with you on other issues 
So I, I, I find that to be helpful the sense of it's not so it's not so black and white as it seems in the, the echo chambers that we usually fall into it was discouraging in uh, it was discouraging in the sense of how seldom scripture was brought up in terms of being an argument from the floor mm -hmm. uh, it, it, it seemed to be okay we we all try to make a persuasive speech within a lot of time or we feel compelled to speak because what if nobody else says says this? But the thought of actually being a deliberative body that, that argues from evidence and that actually shares the same same belief of of what's important, I just I just didn't see that. I found that discouraging. On the flip side, I found encouraging thinking about the um, the subcommittees that the that you really could actually have a say within that that body but uh, again there being scripture just wasn't brought up a ton within within that it, it's it's trying to make an argument that would be pragmatic and i think that's that's a loss yeah no i could definitely see that too i i definitely share a lot of those concerns i, I saw some of those same things it's kind of interesting um, when you kind of realize that somebody who you didn't know could be an ally to you in that context mm -hmm. will say something that would just surprise you and go, oh, wow, we're actually of like minds on that issue. I mm -hmm. didn't expect it coming from you. So I, I did kind of see some of that, too. I was surprised as well. I think that's one of the benefits of just gathering together in person to talk things out. I've, mm -hmm. I've just experienced that over and over and over again where where we kind of drill down into an issue and we start almost assuming the worst of the other person and and assuming their motives that we have all of that we kind of spiral into this that we're even more divided and then we actually sit down and have a conversation and i always walk away going okay yeah we're not as far apart as we thought we have a lot more agreement than than i realized and it becomes less of an us versus them, but kind of we're, we're trying to figure this out together kind of a thing. That's all we have for this week. Stay tuned next week for part two of our conversation with Adam Isinga. Until then, don't forget this is Christ's church and he bought it with his blood. We've been warned that wolves will come in trying to destroy the flock. So keep a close watch on your life and on your doctrine. Preach the word in season and out of season and keep fighting the good fight in this messy reformation. Mm -hmm.